0: Coming up in this episode, we're going to be talking with somebody special online. His name is Axe de and he is the record holder for the Coast to Coast Ride on a Motorcycle. So stick around. Welcome to Random Thoughts from the Road on the Ozark Rides Digital Network. Conversations about motorcycles, one of the best places to ride in America, the Ozark Mountains of Missouri and Arkansas, and of course, any random thoughts that pop into our head. And now, here's your host from OzarkRides.com, Craig Allen and Randy Lewis. You know, there's a lot to be said about living each day like it's your last. I try to every single day. But that's why I love getting out there and riding. I'm sure you do too. On two wheels or four, either way, you got to keep it running. And you can do that best by taking it to Heartland Honda in Springdale. They're pros at servicing and repairing your recreational on-road or off-road vehicle. Yeah, that includes motorcycles too. And when it's time for something new or pre-owned, Heartland Honda can fix you up. Check them out online at heartlandhonda.com or give them a call at 479-751-7022. Heartland Honda, work hard, play hard. Ready? you know me. As far as I'm concerned, any time is a great time to go out and explore the beautiful Ozarks on your ride. Agreed. You do?
1: Oh, uh, full-heartedly.
0: All right. Well, then do yourself a favor. Put Brad Bradshaw's number in your phone, 417 333 33 33 you think you could remember that me yeah Eh. it's it's iffy (laughs) because you never know when a ride will be interrupted with an unforeseen accident brad's a physician surgeon and a lawyer so he can help you with all aspects of your situation after the show check him out online at bradbradshaw.com remember save that number you don't need to write it down folks it's easy it's 417-333-3333 Welcome back to another episode of Random Thoughts from the Road. With me, as always, is Randall, uh, I don't even know what to say anymore, Lewis, (laughs) from Bike Works in Urbana, Missouri, and Sack of Shit, shit. Uh, Randall Sack of Shit, Lewis, Yep. and we have a special guest uh, this time on the uh, episode, and his name is Axe DeKreif, and he is the world record holder for, I guess, well, you can't say nonstop because you had to get gas, but Coast-to-coast ride from San Diego to Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, Welcome to the show, Axe. Thanks.
1: Good to have you, man. Good to have you. Glad to be here.
0: Axe has got a documentary movie kind of thing, and uh, we're going to get into that and hear just a little bit about how to see it and uh, check out his website and things. But uh, it's called No Limits, No Regrets. And he broke the record of uh, going coast to coast on a motorcycle, which was a uh, 2010 BMW S1000. Is that right? That's correct. And he did that in 33 hours and 10 minutes. Love the idea of the catheter and, <laughs> and the diaper. So, but we'll get into that. So, Axe, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you've come to have the desire to, you know, be crazy. <laughs> well, I think that desire
2: was always there. I think the. Uh bottle cap doesn't fall far from the whiskey bottle and my old man was you know out raising hell on Harleys by the time he was 16 or 17 as well but you know he always pointed out that it wasn't cuz they were cool back then it's cuz he was broke living up in Iowa freezing and it was the only thing he could afford it was a broken down old K model and um so I think it's always been in the blood and you know I've always kind of had a taste for speed once you kind of start getting your first vehicles and first bikes and you know, I flew over the hood of a car at age 15 on a moped, so I, I learned quick they were dangerous and it just made me love them more, I think. You know, over the years, it's just, I went to engineering school and dad always, you know, kind of worked, I was welding at age eight and working in his shop and, you know, learned all the, the trades like that. And then combining that with an engineering degree and you know, I always kind of enjoyed art. And so at some point in life, I opened up a shop building custom motorcycles in Florida And there was just that, you know, to me, it was a culmination of all those skills I'd learned, whether it was hands-on or, you know, design work or anything. And I felt more like an engineer building bikes than I did pushing papers across the desk. So it was really fun to do that for a while. And um, at some point, I ended up with heart surgery when I was around 34.
0: Yes, we are uh, fellow members of the Zipper Club.
2: Oh, are you? Good deal. (laughs) Good company then. (laughs) And uh it's it, it was an eye-opening experience. Um, you know, I've been averaging two, three hours of sleep a night for two to three years trying to balance the shop with a full-time job and uh, an unfortunately very active bar life. and uh, it just took a toll on me and and I think after that it, it's sort of, you know, down, I I pulled back on the partying, you know, after you face death and something like surgery like that at age 34, you know, as an adrenaline addict, that just makes you want more danger. And, you know, the the line of uh, Nikki Sixx's 6am song says, you know, you can't live until you die. And I think that those of us that have been closer to death have more of an appreciation for life that, you know, the average person just doesn't get and uh, until it's too late and so i wanted more you know energy more uh, more of a high and when i read about alex roy breaking the cross country car record i thought about it and i realized i had to do something like that for that that ultimate high And I'm a bike guy, though, and I thought, you know, I can't compete in a car with a spotter plane and all this, but I'm a bike guy, and there's very few people in the world, silly enough, to hop on two wheels in unknown elements in the middle of night, ripping across the country, and that's where I think I can kind of shine, you know, combine the balls and brains to do something, you know, kind of amazing and the coolest thing I'll ever do in life. So that's kind of the background and kind of what brought the idea to mind, I guess
1: hell yeah hey uh, in your video it seems like we picked up that you referenced that you met the guy that actually had the record before you broke it is that true yeah
2: i i researched a lot before doing this obviously i spent about nine months prepping and um the you know you could find like the original what was his real name i think cannonball was the guy's name the guy back in the early 1900s that did the cross-country ride in several days and then yeah. There was the guy in, um, in the, one of the original Cannonball Run drives where he went from, like, New York to L.A. in maybe 44 hours or something. I can't remember what the exact time was. And um, I didn't realize it until being at the San Diego dealership. And I, I told the service guy I really appreciated all the help they were letting me ship the bike and the parts there and gave me a bay to do all the updates. And he said, well, let me explain why we're eager to help you. And he took me to this Gary Orr is the guy's name. And in that office, there's an article in the San Diego paper. And Gary had taken off on a BMW from San Diego to Jacksonville. And he made it to within 150 miles of the coast. And he got pulled over by a cop. And of all things, it wasn't for speeding. He had a fuel trailer. He had not stopped since San Diego, not put a foot on the ground. And his taillight on the fuel trailer had a loose connection. And a cop that had someone else pulled over, then cherried him to tell him his taillight was blinking. And I, if I remember right, Gear got so mad, he just turned and went north somewhere else instead after that. So he made it like 36 hours to within 150 of the beach. So it was really cool to shake his hand and sit and chat with him, you know, at his dealership yeah. before uh, taking off. And he actually now has a piece of the bike. I gave him the tank panel that has my time airbrushed on it and a little poster to hang in there, you know, kind of waiting room of the dealership in San Diego now.
1: That's pretty rad. What year did he do his run in?
2: Oh boy. Um I don't remember offhand how many years it was. It looked like a, a newer bike.
1: I guess I guess what I'm getting at is you would think that you know technology and and things like that would have substantially changed from the time that he had done it and the time that you had done it. So I was wondering kind of what challenges he may have faced if they were similar to what you had had. You know, was he able to run a hundred plus through the desert? Things like that. Yeah,
2: he so it looks like he did it in two thousand and nine is what the the Google tells me here. And um, it, it, I think we had a very different approach to it. Like he had this fuel trailer of 75 gallons that they rigged up for him to take with him and so that's
1: a lot of weight homie
2: yeah it is a lot of weight but he had a a bigger like a BMW touring bike right Mm -hmm. so he was already a little bit heavier anyway with the weight of that and it's a very different approach right like he wasn't looking to go you know hit 200 mile an hour in the stretches he was trying to do a nice consistent speed and be able to eliminate the fuel stops and i think that's there's a lot of trade-offs in it, right? Like you can do his approach or you can do my approach, which is like, give me a little bit extra fuel, but I'm going to rip between stops where I can. And then I have to accept there's a 20, 30 minute delay every time I take a fuel stop. Right.
1: Right. And he went to the ladder where it's, if you can average a higher speed of rate or a consistent speed of rate, you'll be able to knock out a lot of that extra time by going slower.
2: Exactly. And it's the same for speeding tickets. I mean, You know, when I had a radar detector, of course, on this thing, and it was Bluetooth to the helmet. And so, coming through the west half of the states through the night, I could blast, right? I mean, I could, I could, I hit a 165, I think, at one time in the desert, and I could do that. But when you get through the south, like Louisiana and Alabama and all that, those states, the radar detector was lighting up like a Christmas tree. And so, you know, you have two options either you can just hammer it and hope for the best. Knowing that if you get stopped, it's minimum a half hour, if not, you know, a night in the Casa de Concrete. So, yeah. you know, I I chose to try to push my limits, you know, but I had to kind of watch that because I just thought, man, if I get pulled over, it's going to screw this whole thing. And yeah. so I didn't average as high as I would have liked to because you had to have some cushion where you needed it that way.
0: Tell us a little bit about some of the um, modifications you had done to your bike. Now, we saw in the movie that what you put on this uh, spare gas tank uh, on the back of the bike. I like the idea of the uh, infrared.
2: Yeah, that was a big one. Um, so, after kind of reading up about Alex Roy's uh, cross country. I started researching like, uh, well, what happened is I rode back from Colorado on the bike. I took it out there. I left here at like 1:30 a.m. one day. Rode to Colorado, thousand miles, and then when I was driving back later that summer, I missed a carcass on the road doing, you know, about a buck twenty, and I missed it by less than a foot. And I thought, man, if I'd been a foot over, I'd be laying there next to whatever animal that was. And so I started researching night vision. And when I did, they actually said that night vision wasn't as good because the oncoming traffic will kind of blind you. But a thermal vision is a better choice because you can see all the same things, but you also see like, you know, like cars hiding in trees. Like if a cop car is like kind of hiding in the trees, even during the daylight, you can spot them easier and stuff. And so I went with a thermal and at first I installed it on the Cadillac and it worked great you know you could do super high speeds and you could see as far as your eye could see if it was daylight Um, just an amazing improvement so i put that on the bike i did some 3d printing of brackets for the screen on the tank and the mount up on the you know on the rear view is what i used uh, rear view mirror mount i had all the wiring i had to put in with relays and everything for that for the you had to charge that bluetooth on the helmet i had like a Back then it was a Cena 10 MHR or something. So I had that. I had the phone was mounted and charging the whole time. Uh, what I did is took a couple of shin guards from like dirt bike world and cut them down and bolted those to the pass rear passenger pegs so that I could kind of hang my feet on the rear passenger pegs just for an alternate way to sit. I had a throttlemeister. uh, but it just didn't prove super valuable because, you know, no racer puts crews on 55. If you're going for time, <laughs> you're always modulating that throttle. Yeah. So it offered a little bit of a break here and there when I couldn't go very fast anyway. Um, the tank was a big one, obviously. I geared it so it'd do about 100 and what was it, seven or eight in first gear, just trying to get you know the most mileage I could out of it. Um, some of the mods I did later, like carbon fiber wheels and body and titanium exhaust, I kind of wish I would have done earlier because those would have been, you know, there's some really good weight saving things I've I determined later but didn't have at the time. So, them are some of the main mods I did, I guess. But uh, you know, it's you, you got to train yourself as much as the machine and just get your brain kind of in the mode of. It's not as bad if you crash and die. It's worse if you go slow and don't break the record. <laughs> that's,
1: a, that's a
2: different mindset to put yourself into.
1: No risk, no reward, huh? Amen. <laughs> so here's something in Craig and I have talked about this. We did an episode about like the iron butt challenges and stuff. And I yeah. had said that, you know, if I was going to do that, I would give two shits about anything and I'd shit myself, piss myself. And I'd show yeah. it to the finish line, just reeking and stinking and nasty. Now, we saw that you had a condom catheter and you pissed on some chick running around the highway. <laughs> but uh, you also showed that you didn't have to use your diaper. Now I just yeah. want to know. Be honest here. Did you shit yourself?
2: Nope.
1: Nope. May. I didn't.
2: I. But I mean, it was not. <laughs> it was not by accident. I barely ate before making that trip, yeah. and I didn't have. So like Red Bull, right, is the stimulant I used in my Camelback, that and some X-Blast. But I know for a fact from drinking Red Bulls for how many years that they'll tear up your stomach because they're a diuretic, right? Right. And so that's why I mixed it half and half with Gatorade to try to keep my body moderately healthy in the process and keep my bottles from getting rotten from just living on Red Bull for two days. The other thing I did is I ate MREs for about two days. And my buddy that was an army ranger had told me, dude, eat MREs. They got built in stuff to clog you up because in the field, you don't want that problem, right? And so I stuck to MREs for a couple of days in advance. Um, I also took some Imodium, I think, before taking the ride. I barely had any fluids. And for eating wise, I think in East Texas, I stopped because I was just fading so bad and got like two Slim Jims. And so it, it was not by accident I didn't have to use it. And there was a couple of times I got a little worried I was going to have to. But now if I did it, I mean, it's, it's a true documentary. I would have had to admit, like, yep, glad I had
0: it on. Man, that's- Super unpleasant. <laughs> <laughs> now, after the record-breaking ride, you uh, did a documentary. It's called No Limits, No Regrets. Tell us a little bit about how people can yeah. get a hold of that and take a look at what you did.
2: Sure. I did two different methods. So one way is the DVD and Blu-rays. And I actually went through and figured out how to author a a DVD and movie and stuff. So on my website at ychrome, which is Y-C-H-R-O-M-E.com, people can buy DVDs or Blu-rays. And I even have pieces of the bike as commemorative pieces people can get in collector sets as well with the movie. And then the most common, of course, approach these days would be on Amazon.com. And all I have to do is search for No Limits, No Regrets. And my website also has a link to that Amazon site as well. And they can buy or rent it there.
0: Now, there's also a book version too, isn't there?
2: That's correct. I actually started out by writing a book um, by the same title, No Limits, No Regrets. And as I was writing the book, I chose not to release it until a year after the record. In fact, a year to the date after the record is when I released it. And the reason for that is I'd always read that one year is kind of the statute of limitations on things uh, as far as since there were some traffic laws that may have been flexed during the ride. Um, So I chose to kind of keep it quiet for a year. And then, you know, I had all this footage and I thought, well, you know, I want to put a movie together. This would be kind of cool. And I thought, you know, wouldn't be make it better is if I had an original soundtrack. So I converted one room in the house into a recording studio and I wrote and recorded eight songs. I did the guitar and vocals, and my buddy did the bass and drums. And I assure you, my singing is pretty rotten, but it's kind of one of those things where at the end of it, it's all me, right? You know, I did everything, and um, I know I'm not the best singer, and, you know, but I'm happy with how the guitar came out and everything. So now I have this kind of movie is everything, right? I did the planning, I did the ride, I did the music, and I did the book, and it's all, uh, you know, kind of wrapped up in that one project.
1: Yeah, I must say, you know, kudos for you for taking the the bull by the horns there and, and doing everything. But like I said, you know, hats off to you. It, it takes a little bit of the nuts to say, you know, I'm going to put myself out there and and do all of it, love it or hate it. That's, that's what's That's what's, what's great cool about it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So do you have another project in mind coming up?
1: Um,
2: you know, I've been doing there's little stuff I'm continuing to do as far as um, you know, updating. I finally got the BMW back from You know a bunch of nonsense and uh you know basically trusted the wrong mechanic and um now i have it
1: back so you've been through it you've seen it i'm assuming that um this is the shortest distance coast to coast obviously to make the most best optimal time my big question to you is do you have any intentions on breaking your own record and doing this again from doing it once? Have you, have you figured some things where you could cut some time or shave some time or some differences that you might do to help you out a little bit more?
2: You know, there's, I've, I've obviously had this thought process and part of me is like, well, you're already the best. Why go through that again? But that said, um, you know, that was when I was 40, maybe when I turn 50, I'll try to do it again and see if I can beat it. The thing is I didn't leave a ton on the table like it's it's very hard to imagine what I would do different. The only things that I could see is if I could increase the fuel storage or you know increase the mileage somehow to eliminate one or two gas stops. The other thing that maybe a guy could do was hammer it and accept that there may be you know if you get stopped your your whole effort's screwed and it may be you know right near the end
1: yeah
2: yeah that's the thing you know and and you add to the fact i had a 45 i was carrying the whole way too and some people frown on that depending on who pulls you over so uh that's true that's true
1: (laughs) so it doesn't sound like there's a whole lot of way to shave any more time i mean that's that's pretty well you know you think it's it's nut cut. Like that's that.
2: I think the only way to do it would be if you just hammered it and got lucky, you know, if you were just accepted that, Hey, if I get, if I end up in jail, that's okay, you know, and willing to risk the mission, I guess. And that's about the only way I could really see doing it is if you just rolled the dice and pushed it a lot harder, you know, than I did, I figured if I stayed within 20 miles of the limit, you know, for the most part, if the radar was active, you know, yeah. um i mean i blasted where i could but if i saw that radar then I, I was had to back off
1: get you a little rabbit runner to go in front of you everywhere to take that heat yeah yeah let let them go and get pulled over and take the ticket and you could just smoke through
0: so what are you smoking the bandit
1: <laughs> yeah buddy
0: actually i appreciate you being on today and uh reaching out to us uh i find it a very fascinating story and I think the listeners will too. So if they want to be able to watch your movie, they can go to ychrome.com, dot com, And I think they can uh, view it uh, on Amazon and or purchase it. Same with the books. So if you got anything cool coming up in your future other than uh, just trying to stay alive?
2: The biggest one right in the short view is the Texas mile in a couple months, which is just a one mile strip of runway and you just hammer it from zero to as fast as you can. And I'm really looking forward to getting the bike now that I've got it up and running and turning some high power uh, to just seeing how fast I can go. So that's the next big thing in line.
0: What kind of speeds are we talking about there?
2: Uh, The stock bike, I did 167, then I did 184, I did 187 last time, and I've got uh, a little bit more power now than I had before and I'm trying to shave as much weight off myself as well as the bike this time
1: dang randy that sounds like you're metropolitan it really does dude (laughs) if i could just get rid of the whiskey in the storage compartment we might we might shave some weight (laughs) to hit some speeds (laughs) what's your what's your target speed you hitting you trying to hit 200
2: I would love to hit 200, and I don't know if that's reasonable or not, but at this point, having hit 187, you know, right now, I think if I could break 190, that'd be a good uh, next step, considering what work I've done into it and stuff. And, um, you know, I just learned the hard way that you start thinking you're better than BMW at building an engine, and it sometimes backfires. <laughs> yeah, good so luck. So trying, trying to go back about it more sensible this time. <laughs> I
0: see that. Well, I appreciate you being on the show today, and of course, uh, a lot of folks are going to listen to this and uh, check you out, and we wish yeah. you all the best in the future.
2: All right. Well, hey, it was great talking to you guys. Thanks a lot for having me on.
0: You bet. Okay, guys, I want to take a moment to remind everybody to check out our new website, RandomThoughtsFromTheRoad.com, and be sure to register for the free giveaway. It doesn't cost you anything. It's the word free, and who knows? You may just win. Somebody's going to. And also, when you're on the side, consider becoming a club member to help support the podcast. And with your club membership, you get free swag, of course, and the knowledge that you're helping make the world a better place. Well, maybe that's a little bit strong, but we'll definitely appreciate it. So until the next time we get together, be safe and keep writing.